reading is taken from John chapter 20, starting at verse 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, he declared, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I feel high lifted up. <laughs> Rather daunting up here. Now, I'm a, a member of the University of the Third Age. It sounds rather grand, doesn't it? But it's not grand at all, really. It's just people of retirement age who meet together for some activity or... Uh, to discuss things together, and I go to a philosophy group. And philosophy is all about reasoning, about the reasons we believe things. And uh, some of the people in that philosophy group are atheists and quite outspoken. So we have some very interesting discussions. But it's good sometimes to question things as to why we believe what we do. I wonder if sometimes you're afflicted by all sorts of doubts and begin to ask yourself, is it really true, the things I've been believing? What evidence is there that it's true? Why should I believe these things? I need to work it all out for myself. Thomas was a disciple who was like that. He's often called, perhaps unfairly, Doubting Thomas. Thomas had been with Jesus for three years. 
He'd seen the things that Jesus had done, the miracles that Jesus had performed. He'd listened to Jesus' teaching. And he'd even been sent out to preach concerning the kingdom of God. It had been a wonderful three years in which Thomas had owned Jesus to be his Lord. But then he'd seen Jesus being taken captive by the Jewish authorities. And along with the other disciples, he had fled. But he'd known that Jesus was handed over to the Roman authorities. And perhaps he had stood at a distance, watching when Jesus was crucified and seen those nails hammered through Jesus' hands and the spear thrust into Jesus' side. And he knew that Jesus was dead. He'd known that Jesus was dead not just because of the things he'd seen and heard, but because the Romans had handed over Jesus' body to a leader of the Jewish Sanhedrin. They wouldn't have handed his body over if there was any doubt about his death. And Jesus had been put in that borrowed tomb. And all Thomas's hopes that had built up over those three years of ministry had been shattered. And now, a few days later, the other disciples are telling him that they'd seen Jesus alive and that he'd spoken to them. And Thomas just couldn't believe it. He'd been clear in his own mind that he couldn't believe it unless he saw these things for himself. He says to the disciples, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I have to see it for myself. Jesus is so patient and gentle with Thomas, isn't he? When Jesus appears a week later and Thomas is there, Thomas doesn't get a scolding. But Jesus says to the disciples, as he'd said a week earlier, peace be with you. And then he says to Thomas, speaking to him particularly, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. But Thomas does not need to do those things. He just looks at his Lord and he exclaims, my Lord and my God. He believes. There's no more room for doubt because Jesus is there before him. But the punchline of the Lord Jesus is this, he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, last week we had a wonderful time here, didn't we? Last Sunday morning, Easter morning, what a wonderful time of celebration as we rejoiced in the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. But why do we believe Jesus is risen from the dead? 
We've not seen him with these eyes, have we? So why on earth do we believe that a man who died has come back from the dead? Well, let me ask you another question. Why do you believe that W.G. Grace, one of Downing's greatest sons, was a wonderful world-class cricketer? He died in 1915. That's 103 years ago. None of you have ever seen W.G. Grace. Why do you believe that this man was such a splendid cricketer, even if he was a bit of a rogue at times? Well, of course, you believe these things because others saw him. Others witnessed the things he did, and they wrote it down. You believe it because you can read old newspaper reports or today, of course, you just go on the internet and look it all up about him. Others were there and recorded what he did. And you believe it because of their witness to him. And so it is here. We can believe because of the testimony of eyewitnesses to us. It's not always easy to, to believe the testimony of eyewitnesses. Mary Magdalene saw the Lord and went and told the disciples, but they found it hard to believe. The other disciples saw the Lord and told Thomas. He found it very hard to believe. But then the Lord appeared to him, and Thomas believed. John concludes this chapter by saying, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is saying, I know you can't see the risen Lord Jesus as we saw him. He's risen and ascended into glory. He's not around in that same way now. We know you can't see him as we did. And that's why we've written these things. We've recorded them all here for you. They're all written down so that you may believe and enjoy the blessing that comes through faith in him, the blessings of eternal life. Just as you believe that W.G. Grace was a great cricketer, though none of you ever saw him, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead because those who saw him risen recorded it for you and you believe their testimony. There's plenty of evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. There was the empty tomb. No one could produce the body, not the Roman authorities, not the Jewish authorities. He had risen. There was the testimony of eyewitnesses, Mary, Peter, John, the other disciples, and at last Thomas himself, who took the good news, we believe, to India to tell people about Jesus risen from the dead. And Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, says, Jesus appeared to 500 people, many of whom are still alive. In other words, he's saying to them, 
If you don't believe it, go and ask them. All this testimony to Jesus risen from the dead. And there's the remarkable change in the disciples who were hidden away in locked rooms for fear of the Jews, but who then, after Jesus was risen, after he appeared to them, after he had given them his spirit, were out there on the street telling people about Jesus, no longer silent and locked away, but telling the Jewish authorities, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What could explain the change? Only Jesus, risen from the dead, with them. There's plenty of evidence that Jesus is risen. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is God's own stamp of approval on the work, the dying work of his son. Jesus died for our sins and was raised for our justification. It was as if God was saying to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done all that I asked of you to bring my people to glory. Now enter into your rest. It's the ground of our faith and of our assurance. There's plenty of testimony in the New Testament. But faith, Christian faith, is more than simply believing the testimony of others. We delight to be able to say, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. But Christian faith is more than simply saying, well, I think there's evidence for this. Christian faith means knowing something of the risen life of Christ in our lives. When Christ's Spirit comes and touches us, and makes these truths live. For if Christ is risen then he's alive and a living saviour who touches lives today and gives us assurance that he is a living saviour. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says to them, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Christ Jesus. How can he say that to these people in Corinth who've never seen the risen Lord? He could say it to them because they too, through the Spirit, had come to know something of the risen life of Christ and seen with the eye of faith something of the glory of the Lord. And as they were looking at the glory of the Lord and rejoicing in his resurrection, being transformed into his likeness. This is what makes all the difference. Our faith is not simply, oh yes, we give our assent to things written long ago in a dusty old book. But it's a living faith by which we know that the things written here are living truths 
because Christ who died for us is raised for us and touches our lives today by his Spirit, giving us life from the dead. You may know that old chorus. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. That testimony, grounded also in the testimony of Scripture itself, speaks of a living faith in a living Saviour. And in this way, when Christ touches our lives, he enables us to become witnesses too, to speak to others of the things we have now seen and heard. We may not be among those who've seen the risen Christ with our physical eyes, as did Mary Magdalene, or Peter, or John, or even Thomas at the end. But we are among those of whom the Apostle Peter wrote, saying, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe he has all power in heaven and on earth. Do you love him and trust him and worship him? Will you bear witness to others of the things you have seen and heard as Christ has touched your life and the lives of those around you? May God help us to know the living Christ and to be living witnesses to him.